A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long teams with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> well, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 48. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. This is the third time I've tried to record this video. Uh, the first time I did it and my mic was dead. The second time I did it, I had crying children up taking a bath that were trying to be my co-hosts. So now, I have a little quiet. I have piano practice. That's, that's okay. I can handle a little piano in the background. Um, the Master's Dog is a podcast I do to deal with false teachers. Uh, started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I would respond to every episode of Faith and Beliefs dropped on the, the Saints Unscripted uh, podcast channel on YouTube. Um, I expanded it at that point to, um, at one point, to the Master's Dog to where I could deal with all kinds of false teachers. So today we are back with our friends from Saints Unscripted. They've got a new episode of their Faith and Beliefs segment of that podcast out. So we do what we do every time one of those comes out and we let the video play. We talk about it as we need to. I watched this video once. There wasn't a whole lot in it that I would like pull out and go, well, this is not Christian. This is not, it's not that it's, but it's not that it's, it's, you know, what he's going to talk about, 
the major overwhelming majority of Mormon doctrine is is not Christian. This is not something that I would have an issue with in any way, but there is something that I want to talk about at the end. So we'll let him go. I may go ahead and let him, he may just talk the whole five minutes and then we'll jump into what I want to talk about. I might have a couple of little uh, points to bring up as he goes. So with that, we are going to go ahead and jump in and let David tell us why were oaths taken so seriously in the Book of Mormon? Hmm. Good question. Hey guys. So throughout the Book of Mormon, you might notice the incredible weight and emphasis placed on the oaths or promises made by different people. For example, in 1 Nephi 4, Zoram discovers that his master Laban is actually a disguised Nephi. Run. Zoram tries to make a break for it, but Nephi held him that he should not flee. And it came to pass that I spake with him that if he would hearken unto my words, as the Lord liveth and as I live, we would spare his life. And I spake unto him even with an oath that he need not fear, that he should be a free man like unto us if he should go down in the wilderness with us. And then Zoram promised that he would go down into the wilderness unto our father. Yea, and he also made an oath unto us that he would tarry with us from that time forth. And it came to pass that when Zoram had made an oath unto us, our fears did cease concerning him. And notice he says, our fears. Even Laman and Lemuel hear Zoram make this oath and say, yeah, okay, you're cool. In our culture, unfortunately, someone's word doesn't always mean a whole lot. My word is my bond. Yeah, junk bond. But let's take a closer look at how oaths were viewed in ancient Israel. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, I don't know that anybody, I, at least me, and I've read the Book of Mormon multiple, multiple times, more times than I care to, many times as a Mormon because I was bribed, um, and many times afterwards in research and so on. But I, I've never went, gone through it and gone, wow, there's a lot of emphasis on oaths in this. I mean, it's just, it's really not something that, maybe it's just me. Maybe for anybody else, maybe oaths are just jumping off the page at you from the Book of Mormon. But I'd never noticed it. So that was kind of a weird flex, but okay. Um, and so, yeah, let's go ahead and get into why were oaths taken so seriously? Because they are. I mean, oaths are a serious thing. The Bible is very, very uh, plain and clear on if you make an oath, you should keep your oath. So let's go. According to my Jewish learning, vows and oaths are both considered weighty matters in Jewish thought. Breaking either is explicitly forbidden by the Bible in Numbers 33. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath imposing an obligation on himself, he shall not break his pledge. He must carry out all that has crossed his lips. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia adds, In ordinary intercourse, it was customary to swear by the life of the person addressed, by the life of the king, by one's own head, by the earth, by the heaven, by the angels, etc. According to McClintock and Strong Bible Encyclopedia, that oath has always been held most binding, which appealed to the highest authority. Thus, believers in Jehovah appealed to him with such phrases as, The God of Abraham judge, as the Lord liveth, God do so to me and more also, God knoweth, and the like. Nephi's oath, as the Lord liveth and as I live, is exactly what we'd expect to see here. And we see that kind of phraseology in the Old Testament and throughout the Book of Mormon. 
For Nephi to break that oath would have been unthinkable, and Zoram knew that. What happens if you break an unbreakable vow? You die. But Nephi's oath here could also serve another purpose, because making an oath in the name of God also reveals to the other person which God you serve. Zoram had no idea who Nephi was. Nephi is just this guy leading him away from Jerusalem, possibly to captivity in some Gentile nation. But then Nephi says, hey, relax. We both believe in the God of Israel. We're both on the same team here. You're going to be a free man. This was part of ancient Jewish culture and therefore part of the culture of the family of Lehi. Even when the Nephites separate from the Lamanites, both groups continue to put a huge amount of weight on oaths. In Alma, we read about a huge group of Lamanites who were converted to the gospel by the sons of Mosiah. They separate themselves from the Lamanites and rename themselves the Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. They recognize their sins and the many murders which they had committed. So they decide to bury their weapons of war, for it was all they could do to repent sufficiently. They had taken they an oath that they never the would shed blood more. But after they make this oath, another war starts up and their nation needs soldiers. <laughs> Typical. But behold, as they were about to take their weapons of war, they were overpowered by the persuasion of Helaman and his brethren, for they were about to break the oath which they had made. And Helaman feared lest by doing so they should lose their souls. Helaman was a military leader. He could have used their help, but to protect them spiritually, he was willing to risk destruction physically. And then the most beautiful thing happens. But behold, it came to pass, they had many sons who had not entered into a covenant that they would not take their weapons of war to defend themselves against their enemies. Therefore, they did assemble themselves together at this time, and they entered into a covenant to fight for the liberty of the Nephites, yea, to protect the land unto the laying down of their lives. Yea, even they covenanted that they never would give up their liberty, but they would fight in all cases to protect the Nephites and themselves from bondage. So we get this beautiful dichotomy where the parents who have done horrible things and are trying to repent make an oath saying, we will die before we shed blood again. And then their children make an oath saying, we will die before we let them shed your blood. And as you know, not a single one of those 2,000 warriors died. Not a single one. Oaths, vows, covenants, whatever you want to call them, are extremely important in scriptures. We've looked at a couple of examples, but there are so many more. So many times the Lamanites or Gadianton robbers lose a battle and the Nephites just say, okay, make an oath that you won't do this again, and then they let them go free. To us, that's totally insane. Are you crazy? That is a terrible, terrible idea. But to them, it was a big deal, and hopefully now you understand a little bit more about why that is. If you're interested in seeing more examples of oath-taking in the Book of Mormon and the Bible for your own personal study, or if you just want more information on this subject, check out the links in the description. I've also thrown in a couple of notes in the description that... All right, so that's... We're done with that. Here's, here's the thing. Okay, oaths are a big deal, and, and of course... I come from a point where I'm like, this is all fiction. All, every one of these stories that he shared, except for the things that came out of the Bible, was made up by Joseph Smith. So it's pointless. I mean, I, I have no need to even really discuss it. I, I'm not here to deal with fiction. I'm here to deal with doctrine and beliefs. So my question to David would be, if oaths are such an important thing in, you know, which they were, um, you know, I mean, they were a serious thing. I don't think it was, I mean, 
a lot of places, I mean, Jesus warns that we should not take, we shouldn't swear by something. We shouldn't take these things. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We don't need to take oaths. Um, I wish I had looked up that Bible verse and so I could post it here, but um, maybe I'll just put it in the link in the description below. But if oaths are such an important thing, why were they taken out of the LDS temple ceremony? I guarantee you, I don't know if David's parents are LDS, if they were sealed in the temple or anything like that. And again, I'm not sure how old he is. And this may not, uh, this may not be a, a good analogy. Let me make it this way. The oaths and the temple ceremony that their current president, Nelson, Russell M. Nelson, went through in whatever 1940s, 50s, what he was, I think he was born, he said he was born today, 29, 24, 29, somewhere in there. Um, he's an old guy. So when he was married, the temple ceremony was different than when David went through it. David didn't have to do the same oaths that Nelson did when he went through. The oaths that if you reveal any of this, you'll have your throat slashed or be disemboweled or any of these things. There were these very serious oaths that were part of the temple ceremony, the wedding ceremony, which I find kind of weird. Um, you, you know, you're making an oath during your wedding ceremony that if I tell anybody about this, I'll come. Kind of wedding ceremony should be about the husband and the wife. Nothing else. Off my soapbox. Um this whole show is a soapbox, let's face it. Um, so why were those taken out? Why were those removed, David? If oaths are such an important thing and so critical to your faith and your religion, why were the oaths removed? That would be my only question. That would be the only thing I would, would push back on this, except for the fact that everything in the Book of Mormon is fiction. It's all false. We deal with that in other places here and there. Um, I'm actually going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. I'm probably going to have three, if not more, episodes of The Master's Dog coming out this week. Um, just simply because of all the, the weirdness that is going on. Um, I'm going to be responding again to Kenneth Copeland, another video that he put out after the last one. And then I'm going to respond to the proclamation that was that was put out today by uh, Russell Nelson, the president of the LDS Church, this proclamation to the world. I'm going to go through a video that he released where he reads through this proclamation, and we're going to talk about that. So a few episodes of this, of the Master's Dog coming out this week, um, and we'll deal with a lot of different things. So that would be it. I mean, okay, oaths are an important thing. If you make one, hold to it, but don't make them. There shouldn't be something that we do we should be men as Christians. We are men of integrity, men and women of integrity. And we let our yes be yes and our no be no. And we don't have to go swear by the temple or by our head or by our, you know, whatever. You know, don't go put it on your mama. Um, just let your yes be yes and your no be no and be an integritous man. Um, and, and, and leave it at that. So, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time. Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.